Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I'm so glad you came to worship with us today for this great day. It's always Easter at One Cause Church, um, but today is uh, the cherry on the top and the exclamation point. I love this day. I love this day. We all take notice of this great, great event that took place when he got up. I said he got up. He got up. He didn't stay in the guy. As a preacher, it's kind of, it's pretty exciting for me. I mean, I love preaching, but Easter kind of makes me feel like a, <clears throat> a mosquito showed up in a nudist colony, you know? Happy to be here. I just don't know where to start. It's very exciting, thrilling. Got all kinds of things, all kinds of sermons like he'll go through my head. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, but I, I would like us to take our Bibles, and I'll, I do want to talk about uh, resurrection life and what that means for you and I today, and maybe get some things to you and shore you up in your faith in Jesus, and maybe, maybe inspire you to believe on Him today if you haven't um, received Him into your life and become personal friends and part of the family of God. Um, but in Romans chapter 8, my wife kind of started my sermon for me by quoting this verse of Scripture, but it's a marvelous verse of Scripture, and, and uh, it, it, there's something about it that I really want us to look at today. Maybe you've heard the Scripture or said it many times, but we're going to slow it down just a little bit and, and bring something really cool out of it, okay? Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, if our uh, mad scientist, Alex, hey, thank you, mad scientist, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that you? Is the you that's in this the you that's sitting in here today? Huh? It isn't a trick question. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, is there anybody here in this room today that knows that the Spirit of Him who raised Him from the dead is dwelling in you? Is there anybody here? Can I see a hand? Okay. He who raised Christ, and here's the deal. He who raised Christ from the dead, if that's the truth, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Now, I'm looking at a room full of mortal bodies. None of your bodies have yet received the lofty term glorification. All right, and that is when... Jesus Christ will return, and this body will be changed forever, and it will live forever. No more aches and pains, no more aging, no more wrinkles. None of that stuff is going to be part of your existence any longer. No more failure. It's you're going to have a glorified body. Finally, your body is going to look like your spirit. It's all going to be one pure, holy, glorified, eternal thing. But right now, you live in this mortal body, and it's kind of frustrating as a Christian to have a perfect experience in the spirit, in the spirit, in the spirit, that's a new word, um, a perfect experience in the spirit, and yet uh, such imperfection in this flesh. And there's the war, and there's the struggle, and there's the battle that we face every day. The war of the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary, so that you don't do the things that you want to do. Let me just remind you today, as a child of God, you actually have the right want-tos. Because you've got a whole new nature. You have a whole new nature. I mean, you're so free. I mean, Jesus has so saved you. I hope to God that you live life on this earth doing what you want to do. Yeah. 
because your want to is his want to. Now, if you think that your want to is what this flesh desires, then you're mixed up on who you really are. The wants of the flesh are different. The flesh is only here to please itself. It doesn't think about others. It doesn't want to share. I mean, you learn that. I mean, you, you see that nature, that fallen nature of Adam. How many of you have kids? I mean, you see that at a very early age, right? I mean, from really from the moment you bring them home, they cry when they're supposed to be asleep. And they don't care what you think about it. They want you to give attention to them whatever it is they need. Feed me, change me, hold me, but I don't care what this does in inconveniencing your life and take robbing you of sleep. <clears throat> and then we have to train our children to be nice. You have to train your children to say thank you. They don't just naturally do that because we have what's called a fallen sinful nature. A problem is not that we sin, it's that we have a condition when we're born. Being a sinner, you're born a sinner. Think about that. That's, that's not very good news. The very fact that you showed up to planet Earth is, uh, is here's, here's, the, here's the news. You were born a sinner, and so you couldn't help but sin and do actions that were contrary to what God would have you do or that would please Him because that's your, that was your nature. But God, thank God, through His love, through His great love with which He loved us, came to this world in, through his son Jesus, and gave us a new and living way. And through this last Adam, now you get a new nature. And with that new nature comes new desires, the right desires, the things that want to please God. That's why now as a Christian, if you do miss the mark, if you do sin, if you do fail, something inside you doesn't like it. There are, there are things before you came to know Christ, you did them, it didn't bother you at all because it was... Your nature, but now you're in Him. Something's changed on the inside of you. And so your wants and desires have changed, and so it grieves the real you when this wins out in the end. And Paul said it like this. He said, I'm, that what I hate, that's what I do. That which I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. That, that, that I want to do, I find myself not doing. I'm glad Paul wrote Romans chapter 7. That, I'm like, thank you, Paul. You understand me. I mean, you're like right in my living room saying these words. Because I can remember growing up, I grew up at, in, in a, well, I, I grew up in a, in a pretty hardcore legalistic Pentecostal setting for the first few years of my life. And, and it, I mean, I'm talking about where the women didn't cut their hair and they didn't wear makeup and they should have worn makeup. And they, they, you didn't wear pants, and you didn't, men couldn't have facial hair. And they had all this whole litany of rules, this whole list of rules that said, if you break this, if you don't do this, I heard this term all the time, if you do that, you're going to hell. If you don't do that, you're going to hell. If you did that, you're going to hell. You'll go to hell for that. You'll go to hell, You'll go to hell for that. You'll go to hell for that. And I'm just walking around just like really insecure. And so I always felt like when I prayed... Now, maybe, maybe I'm completely alone in this kind of thinking, and I'm fine with that. I'll give you, just give you my experience, but I think maybe some of you can relate to this. I always felt like when I prayed, when I approached God, I always had to get all the bad stuff confessed before that I could actually have a, a relationship or a conversation with Him. My first thought was shame. Okay, good. Some heads are nodding. Thank you. 
My first thought was, I thought, okay, well, Lord, I'm um, sorry. It's been a while since I've talked, so I'm sorry for that. And, Lord, I'm sorry that I kicked my sister. And sorry, uh, and just felt like I needed to go through this, this list of things and make, get, get it all off my chest. Okay, now I feel like I'm in a good place with God. Okay, now, now we can talk. And I just have a feeling, the Lord, thank God that he's so patient with us, you know. But I can also feel, now looking back on it, thinking how grieved he must have been by my approach to him in that way through the error of false humility and religion and no real depth to a relationship, no real desire just to try to fix myself so I can be okay with me and God. And as I grew up and learned more about God and through his word and just through great people who taught me, my dad being, being the main one, taught me about the grace of God and how much greater his grace is than any sin that we could commit. So much so that he began to show me these scriptures. One scripture said like this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, he didn't hold their sin, their sin against them. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. What that means is, in Jesus, what God did with the world is he put it in his embrace. He, he accepted everybody, the whole world to himself, in Christ, not holding their sins against them. Well, wait a second. They haven't asked for forgiveness. That's not the condition to receive forgiveness of sins. The condition was that somebody had to die. It wasn't that somebody had to confess their sins. Somebody had to die for sins. It was a lot worse than just saying, I'm sorry. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. That's what the Scripture said, and that's what left us all pinned to the wall. That's what left us all hopeless. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Wow, so, I mean, there's none righteous, no, not one. And so we were helpless and hopeless to fix our condition of sin. So God then helped us in our hopelessness and in our helplessness. And God was in Christ. And God then decided he would blame his son. He would blame his son. He would blame his own son for every wrong thing that any of us have ever done. He would put the blame on his son for that. And make him pay the penalty and not you. Now there's a love that I can understand and there's a love that I have a hard time understanding. I can understand my love for my son. I can understand my love for my daughters. But I can't understand blaming my children for something that someone else did and letting them take the penalty and letting that person go scot-free. Is there any parents that are with me in that? I mean, would you ever do that? Maybe when they're teenagers. You might consider it. But you would never do that. See, because now this is where we see our love has a limit. And we find out that God's love has no limits. That he would punish his own son. And the scripture says it pleased him to bruise his son so that you and I could be seen now like he sees Jesus. This exchange happened. And Jesus was blamed and he took all the blame. All we were, uh, Isaiah says it like this, all we like sheep are gone astray and everyone has turned to their own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of all of us. God blamed Jesus for all of our rebellion and all of our going astray and wanting to live life for ourselves and God decided to say, that's your fault, Jesus. And Jesus gladly took the blame for it. He was innocent of all that. What kind of love is that? 
Why would he love us like that? I don't know, but I sure am glad he did. Like the great Andre Crouch used to sing, I don't know why Jesus loved me. Oh, but I'm glad he did. I don't, I don't know why, but I am glad he did. It lets us understand something, how, how, that we're really important to God. And that even when we were dead in our sins, we were made alive together with Him. This, is a, this whole thing was about a father and his son doing the work and us just receiving the benefit of it by faith. Not, couldn't do anything to earn it. You can't, that's the thing about this. You can't earn it. You can try hard, but it, that's not going to do anything for you. People are trying so hard to live a good life and to not kill people and to be not, well, I don't hurt nobody, so I guess I'm doing pretty good. That, okay, so you, you have to stop at you. Stop depending on you and thinking that somehow, hopefully the good will outweigh the, the bad. I mean, God wouldn't send good people to hell. No, he wouldn't. They send themselves there. God wants everybody in heaven. But men, good people, I mean good people who do good things in the earth will reject Jesus thinking that they can depend on themselves. Because after all, I've done this and I've done that and you know, I gave this charity and I started this fund and I did this and I did that and, this, and that none of that counts. None of it counts. None of it matters. God was in Christ reconciling the world. It has to be through His Son. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And there's only one solution. There's only one answer. There's only one way to have that everlasting life and to know God as your Father, and that is through His Son, Jesus. So God so loved the world that He gave the world Jesus. God didn't give the world a bunch of religions and say, oh, on this side of the world, y'all can believe this way, and on this side of the world, y'all can believe this way, and on this side of the world. By the way, Christianity didn't start in America. Uh, hello. It started on the other side of the world. So this gospel was for the entire planet. God so loved Jesus that he, wow, gave him to the entire world. He's the answer for every man. And Jesus has rightfully earned the souls of every person through his sacrifice. And I love what God has done. It's such a big setup for us that what God did in reconciling the world to himself, then he, he wrote everyone's names in heaven. He wrote everyone's names there. You have a place there. And he has sent out this invitation called the gospel, which is like this. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Believe on him and you can have your place at the table. Claim your reservation now. It's that simple. But there's a day when all of this is going to come to end to an end and we'll all stand before him and he'll either see if we claimed our reservation or not. And those who didn't just simply say, I believe in Jesus, he has to mark their name off. Because they chose that. God didn't choose that for them. We all are responsible for our own choice. Mm. You see how good he is and how wonderful he is that he would provide this for us. And yet people will reject him. Because they have a choice. But we want to do our best as believers and as a church to help people make the right decision. You know, of all the decisions that you can make in life, no doubt, <laughs> the decision to put your faith in Jesus is the most important. Amen. This says, this says uh, in Romans 8, 11, 
But if the Spirit who raised him from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. That mo- the word mortal just means subject to death. So right now, he has resurrection power for you to experience right here and right now in your mortality. It's not just about a last day when you'll come up out of the grave when Jesus comes back. No, he wants to, you to have this experience right now in your life. Whatever difficulties and struggles, whatever pressures are trying to keep you down, whatever darkness you may be sensing right now in your life, I'm here to tell you there's resurrection power for you to experience now, right, right here, today. Well, that's really good news. There's this kid in church with his mom little fella, and it was Easter Sunday, so it was extra crowded, and, and so he can't see anything. So he decides to stand up in the pew to get a good view of what's going on. And his mother sees him, and she's shocked by this. She says, sit down. And he says, Mom, I can't see. I want to see what's going on here. And she says, I tell him, you sit down right now, young man. And he said, Mom, I can't see. I don't want to sit down. Oh, she had enough. She grabbed that boy's arm. She yanked him down to his backside in that pew. She said, I said, sit down. He looks up at her out of the corner of his eye and he says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. (laughs) Something happened in this resurrection. When you became a new creation in Christ, you stood up on the inside. And on the outside, these circumstances and things may look like they're pushing you down and keeping you out of every good thing that God has for you. But there is a power to tap into today that will cause you to rise above that circumstance, to come out of that trouble and come into victory. Hallelujah. The scripture says that God gives you the victory. He gives it to you. He leads you in triumph. So understand that today and know that you must not accept anything less than victory. And overcoming, because that spirit, the spirit of a conqueror lives on the inside of you. I was thinking about my daughter, Madeline. She was our firstborn almost 21, almost 21 years ago now. I didn't realize I was getting old. Until one day, a student at Christ for the Nations walked up to me. She said, you and my dad used to go to school together here. <laughs> Get out of my face. (laughs) Madeline, she's in our Irving campus today. By the way, Doyle Dykes is playing guitar in our Irving campus today. How cool is that, huh? One of the greatest guitar players ever. Um, I told him y'all would rather hear me, so I just sent him over there. (laughs) (laughs) Madeline was a... She was such a good baby when uh, she was born. The first night, uh, she slept eight hours. And then slept eight hours pretty much every night since then. And more if she can. I mean, this kid can sleep. Just a good baby. Always had her mouth wide open. And a little tongue out. Just always in wonderment at life. And, um, but she was late <laughs> in taking her steps, walking and uh, she was about 13 months, I think. Oh, almost 15 months. Mom remembers. Almost 15 months when, when she really started walking. But I, I can, I'm just watching her uh, taught me a lot about life. You know, having kids, wow, you learn a lot of lessons. But everything with your, with your first one is a brand new experience. I can remember watching her, you know, the first time like she flipped over. 
You know, we, we thought that was the greatest thing in the world. I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, our baby can flip over. What can your baby do? You know, everything she did, you know, like parents today, everything their kids do are awesome. We don't have any dumb kids anymore. We don't have any kids that, you know, just aren't that great. Everything's fantastic and wonderful, and you have to look at every picture and hear every story. <laughs> anyway, okay, that's another sermon. But so, I mean, she, uh, Madeline, she, um, and, and, and she flipped over, and then just watched, watched her progress from, being satisfied with laying there, she got a new desire. And, and then I can remember when she'd get up on her hands and knees and she'd rock back and forth, have that tongue out, her mouth wide open, and she'd rock back and forth. And I'd sing her little songs because she'd always moved to music, so I'd just start singing. And she, I mean, one day I walked in, I was at the house with her, and, and she'd been taking a nap, and she, she fell asleep. I mean, she woke up, and she's in, there in, the, in the, her crib crying. And so I walk in there, and she's holding on to the crib like this, and she's just crying these big alligator tears. And I start humming a song, and she just starts dancing and crying while she's... <laughs> I, I said, that, that didn't work, kid. <laughs> and I watched her progress, getting up on her, and then her hands and knees, and then starting to crawl. And then before long, she's pulling, grabbing a hold of a chair and beginning to pull up on the coffee table. And along the way, along this process, Maddie has fallen so many times. I mean, she wasn't perfect at it, as no babies are. But I noticed something about her. I learned something really about this nature that's in us from God. The need and the nature to rise, to get up, to not stay down. I've never seen it. Maybe you've seen it. I've never seen a baby give up. I mean, we, we, I think we'd be in trouble as a planet if all of a sudden our babies started going, forget it! I give up. You're going to hold me for the rest of my life. I can't do this. This is too hard. It hurt too bad. This is the last time I'm going to let this happen to me anymore. I'm done! Hmm? No, they just keep going. They keep going because there's a nature in us to rise, to stand up. To get on top and watching her come up, it's a, it was an extraordinary experience. The same spirit, the same spirit that raised him, that raised him from the dead lives in you and, yeah. and yeah. will bring life to your mortality. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. One last scripture, John chapter 11, verse 25. This man by the name of Lazarus has been dead for four days. And his sisters Mary and Martha are beside themselves over it because Jesus was gone when it happened. He finally shows up. <clears throat> Martha runs out to him. And she says, if you would have been here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Now let's look at John chapter 11, verse 25. This is what Jesus says. Actually, before this, he said, your brother will rise. She goes, yeah, I know he'll rise in the last day. And look what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. That, that, that's not just a day. It's me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Wow. Wow. That's what gives our, our Christian experience 
nothing but hope. This Christian reality is a reality of total hope and assurance that we have in him. He said, who believe in me, even if he dies, he's going to live. So you can know that that grave's not the end. That's, not, that's, that's just the doorway into real life. I am the resurrection and the life. And if you look this up, I did a little study on this in the Greek, and the word resurrection literally means this. I am the stand up and recover. I am the stand up and recover. Where in your life do you need a stand up and a recovery? Jesus said, I am that for you. I am the stand up and recover. Those of you who are battling some kind of sickness, chronic pain in your body, Jesus says to you, I am your stand up and recover. Hmm? You're coming out of a, a, a divorce, going through a divorce, or, or you're in a troubled marriage right now. Let me tell you, Jesus says, I am your stand up and recover right now. Financial difficulties, Jesus says to you, I am your stand up and recover. Because you were not made for defeat. He paid too great a price for you to live in defeat. He paid a price for victory. And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And to him who overcomes, the scripture says, I will give you a white robe. I will give you a white robe and a new name and a white stone. I mean, all this cool stuff Jesus is going to give us to, over, to us who overcome. And that is those, to, those who have faith. And I will not blot out your name from the book of life. No, no, no. It's, it's your faith in him that causes you to overcome all the way through to the end. Remember this. Don't, you know, so many people are living their lives down. They're living down to their weakness. They're living down to their addictions. They're living down to their emotions. When God has called you to live up, to look up, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's a declaration over you that there's a greater experience for you to have in this world. There's a greater understanding. There's a greater way. There's a greater thought to think. Don't let your circumstances don't let others dictate to you what kind of life you're going to live. You take him at his word and say, you said you came to give me life, and to have that to the fullest, I'll take that. You said you came to heal me. It's by your stripes I'm healed. I'll take that. I'm not settling for the sickness any, any longer. I believe. Listen to me. He paid a great price for your healing. Yeah. Don't accept that as something from God because it's far from that. Yeah. He came to heal you. Jesus has a scarred up body because he got whipped bad for your healing. Hmm? God made up his mind on that deal. The very same afternoon that blood was shed for your sins, his body was broken for your healing. Same afternoon. All purchased and paid for by Jesus. And because Jesus got up, my family, you can get up too because everything that Christ experienced, all of his, his experiences were for you to experience. <laughs> He got up. No, and because Jesus rose, you are fully assured now that you will rise too. Every day of your life, it can be a resurrection experience. What if you believed that? What if you expected that in your life? What if you looked for it, huh? What if you looked up and, and, and right now in the moment when you're living down, right in the middle of your fight with your spouse, you said, no, I'm going to live up today, Lord. I'm going to let your resurrection power reign in me right now. Hmm? Because he's there for you. He's there for you. And you can come boldly before the throne of grace. One last thought. This, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's, y'all know the Lord's Prayer? 
Why don't we all just say that together? This is a great prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Let's stop right there for just a moment. Notice where in this prayer, which is not necessarily a new covenant prayer, listen, listen, where in this prayer are you dealing with the trespass part? Not the first thing, is it? Now, who taught this prayer? Hmm. What's the first thing he said to teach us? In teaching us, but what's the first thing that comes off of our mouth? Our Father. Whoa. Whoa. What he's saying is you need to get your priorities right. Your sin's not glaring at me like you think it is. What I need you to understand is that you're in a relationship with God Almighty and He's your Father. And above anything else that we cover right now, you need to come to me on the basis that you're my child and I'm your father first. We'll deal with the stuff. But that's not going to be the first thing in our relationship. Our Father, which art, hallowed be your name. Look at that. It's just worship. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hadn't even dealt with the junk in your life yet. You're declaring the kingdom to come on the earth. Who do you think you are? Free. Huh? I know who I am. I'm not a slave. I'm a son. I'm not an employee in the kingdom of God. I didn't clock in for work today. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. Born into the family of God. Whole different reality. And we got a pretty good dog. Or did. Laurel took him when she moved out. Now we have just a rat that looks, he's dressed in a puppy costume. His name is Pancho. But Oreo was our little shih tzu, black and white dog. And Oreo's a pretty good dog, pretty obedient for the most part, never talked back, and didn't make messes like my three kids know how to. I mean. And essentially, once my kids all started getting their own opinions, Hey, don't you love that day, you know? They used to hang on every word I said. Now they question everything I say. That's okay. They'll get older. I'll realize how smart I am. <laughs> you know, my kids, they make messes. And you might not believe this, but they're pastor's kids, and they disobey every once in a while. But you know what? Whenever I leave this earth, that obedient, disciplined dog isn't getting one thing from me. My kids get it all. Not because they're perfect. Not because they perform well. But simply because they're mine. God has brought you into a family. A family of love and forgiveness. A family of grace. And his arms are open to you, an invitation to you that says, come, you who are weary, you who are weary, weary with life and weighed down with the burdens of this world, come to me. I'll give you rest. Let's make an exchange. I'll take your heavy stuff and you take my light, easy stuff.
And let's walk this thing together and enjoy this grace of life. Father, thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you, God, for bringing all these here today into this house, into this gathering. God, it's an honor to have them all here. Thank you for this message that we still stand on today. That's why we're called One Cause Church, because we believe in the cause of Christ and his gospel, the cause of Christ and his kingdom. It's the one thing that stands the test of time. Methods and those kinds of things change, but this message will always be sacred to us. This really good news that's come to us, that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. If you're here today and you've never, maybe you've heard this message or something like it, but you've never taken it personally. It's easy to hear that God loves everybody, but when you say he loves me, that makes it a whole different experience. And know that he died for the sins of the world, but when you say he died for my sins, that means he, every nasty, gnarly thing that you've ever done, every thought that you've ever thought, God blamed Jesus for that. Wow. And what he says to you is, if you'll believe that, then I'll give you what you're really looking for. I'll feel that emptiness inside of you, and I'll give you peace like you've never known. You can have this life with God. A life free from the tyranny of sin and brokenness. Jesus offers that to you through his sacrifice, through his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. If that's you and you say, Pastor Eric, I want that. I want that life. I, I want to believe on Jesus today for me and accept him as Lord of my life and be free. I don't want to pay the penalty of sin that he already paid. I don't want to do that. I want to believe him today. I believe his gospel. I want to just declare to you today, this is real simple. This is only... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this. The scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is how easy God made it. It's not about trying to be good and going to church and all that, even though those are all things, all those things are good. None of those things get the thing rolling, though. The main thing is to believe on Jesus. It's very simple. Believe he died for you. You say something as simple as, Lord, I believe today. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for my sins. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I accept that. I accept what you did for me. Bring me into the family of God. Give me new life. You're the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins, all of them. He did it. Just something that simple. By faith in him, you're made a whole new creation. And you watch your life begin to change. You watch how the way you think and the way you act and the way things will just be different. And he offers it to you freely today. So receive him. I want to just say one more thing before we receive the Lord's Supper together. If you're here in this room today and you're battling some kind of sickness, pain, disease, I want you to just raise your hand where you're sitting. I want to pray for you. Just put your hand up today just saying, I, I want what God has for me. I want to receive 
his healing power. Lord, thank you right now. You see all these who are in need of that right now. And Jesus, thank you that in the same afternoon that you shed blood for our sins and we believe that you took away all of our sins, you also took stripes upon your back for our healing. And we believe that you healed every sickness, every disease, every pain. Thank you for that. So I just declare healing now to invade these bodies. Every tissue and every cell and every fiber of their being to operate and to function at peak proficiency in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for doing it. Lord, we see this time and time again. We hear testimonies at this church all the time how those who were sick, God healed. Those who have been in chronic pain have been broken from that. Hallelujah. And I thank you right now for the anointing of the Spirit of God flowing in this place and removing everything that is not of God, everything that's contrary to healing, that they would be made whole and walk out of here today healed and whole in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.